Welcome, welcome to the show. Thank you for coming on and speaking about your life. And it's my, yeah, my, my pleasure. Oh, you're welcome. Trust me, I've I I've interviewed someone that has like three kids that has like autism issues. So okay, <laughs> that's not a problem. Okay. Um, but thank you so much for coming on the show. Um. I I've heard about you from my good friend um, Beth Torsey, and she talks about your show often. And I was like, I have to be on his show. <laughs> okay, I'll be glad to have you on here. We, you know, one one favor uh, returns and deserves uh, another. So uh, I guess sometime next week we'll work out something. Oh sure. Um, okay. Usually I just start by allowing my guests. Um, to tell about themselves. I'm going to introduce you a little bit. So, um, everybody, um, this is Anthony Parker, the uh, host and creator of the Parker Daniel Show on YouTube. He is a blind musician, podcaster, uh, motivational speaker, who um, has a YouTube channel on YouTube called The Parker Daniel Show. And so I'm going to allow Anthony now to tell his story to everybody. Welcome. Welcome, everyone. I am I'm glad to be here because it's my first interview after all the shows that I've done. And I'm trying to be brief and I try to be concise. So uh, I'm from Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Um, I graduated from Louisiana State University, but prior to that, I graduated from Louisiana School for the Visually Impaired, uh, top of my class. I am totally blind. I lost my sight when I was three years of age due to uh, I, um, German measles, and I have a cataract, and um, I persevered, and uh, as I mentioned earlier, I went to School for the Visually Impaired, which is a school that's dedicated for to individuals who are blind or visually impaired. And I graduated uh, from LSU 1992 with a degree in criminal justice and home minor in psychology, almost, and and what have you. So awesome. Um, what what made you want to study um, criminal justice and psychology? I loved well, uh, uh, you know, studying or just uh, reading or listening to shows about law or just talking about it. And I basically was intrigued about the, the different uh, phases of the uh, criminal justice system always. and had a few friends who were in the criminal justice uh, field as well. So that intrigued me. And then psychology, I was just always wanted to know about how people operate in terms of uh, the mental aspect, the mind, and the different social aspects of psychology. You know, just just, just the different phases. So I was intrigued with that. Um. Now, I was, I'm just curious, for those people out there, because there's many young people out there now that's in their late teens, early 20s, mid 20s, late, early 30s, you know, they're still trying to find, you know, their bliss, pretty much, you know, what their calling is. Um, I mean, when you went to school, did you have any, like, challenges um, you know, in regards to getting your materials put in accessible format, did you just use audio? Did you use Braille? Did you have, you know, people who were like scribes for you, you know, wrote down stuff, you know, but okay. what was it like? Well, it's going to sound like the Stone Ages when I say this, but I I didn't use too much of the, although I had 
computer experience. I, I didn't use the computers too much, but uh, they were at my uh, disposal. I had a reader and I had used a tape recorder to record the, the lectures and I would go back and uh, transcribe the information on a Braille writer. And that's how I did my work. And um, if I had some tests that needed to be done, I had someone uh, designated to read the test to me. So uh, the computers, they, as I mentioned, they were there, but they weren't as uh, you know uh, prevalent as it, as it is now. So, and they helped me a great deal. So that's cool. I I, I went to school. Um, I went to the blind school for about seven years. I started in the eighth grade and ended in twelfth. And um, I went to public school prior to that. So mm-hmm. for me, it was. You know, I did uh, mostly sight saving uh, because I have a partial vision. Okay. Well, and, mm-hmm. We definitely can relate to the public school, uh, and I failed to mention that I was a part of a mainstreaming program. So uh, we definitely have something in common as far as that uh, was concerned. And I'm glad that I was able to be mainstream because it helped me deal with uh, the sighted world, quote unquote, and learn how people uh you know would react to people who are visually impaired and it to the, for the most part it, they had its ups and downs but i was more on the upside because i was a go-getter my personality was more of an extrovert so it didn't really bother me when i ever ran i had run into people who, who were kind of like uh you know just acting, uh, acting acting weird about uh blind people and didn't know so i educated them on that level oh yeah because i mean nowadays you know with social media um, you know, people are just less text, less, you know, not communicate verbally with each other. And, you know, I, I feel like there's like a disconnect, even though the world's getting smaller because of the Internet. You could talk to people on FaceTime or Skype or Zoom or WhatsApp or Instant Messenger. And that's great, you know, if you wind up talking to them face to face or you might send voice messages back and forth to each other. But for the most part, a lot of people are just, they're doing a lot of texting. Yep. Um, you know, for the most part. And even when they're in social situations. You know, I remember growing up, we didn't, I, you know, I had a braille writer. I had a handheld magnifier. I had paper and pencil. And, and I had a four track, um, talking book player. I'm familiar with that as well. Yeah, I had, well, actually, I, I started off with the record player, the orange record player. <laughs> and and then I had, went to the green tape recorder, and then it went to yellow. So um, for me, you know, I remember when we had to go outside and play. Oh, yeah. You know, it oh, wasn't yeah. like, let's sit in front of the TV and play video games. Now, I'm not saying I wasn't used to video games, because I was. I played my Nintendo, Atari, all that, like Sega Genesis. Mm. I played those games. But you still were able to socialize with people. Definitely. And I I instilled those uh, um, attributes in my little boy. He's five now. And he plays plays with the computer from time to time, but I also allow him to get him get uh, acclimated to what's going on outside, running, jumping. As a matter of fact, I uh, put him in a, uh, in a swimming class. So definitely I don't want to be a person who's going to have him just sit inside and, and, and just know nothing about what's, out, what's outside. Because we definitely, as you know, older people, we definitely were raised up on on the, on the outside world. 
on the outside, in the outside world doing our thing and whatnot. So I understand that wholeheartedly. Yeah, I, you know, I, I'm curious because uh, when I was coming out, I was exposed to a lot of music growing up. And um, I know a lot of uh, blind people out there who are musicians or they've been exposed to music, you know, through music classes in their schools. I mean, were you ever exposed to music, like, from a young age? Oh, yes, indeed. Um, I want to credit my father, who was recently passed. He was he, he was a music buff. We, uh, we used to sit down and, and listen to a lot of music, and he used to get, tell me about the times he met some of the uh, entertainers. But, yes, all my life. As far as I can remember, I was into music. When I got into uh, high school, I was part of uh, several bands, from rock band, stage band, jazz band, uh, concert band. I'm a, I'm a lover of all types of music and, and what have you. Then after I finished uh, LSU, I pursued my own career uh, as, a, as a musician. I was a, a rapper, producer, arranger, performer, promoter. I did all that for three years, and then I started producing other groups and uh, developing my own record label. So music has always been my backbone. And, uh, you know, people – I also try to sing a little bit. People say I can I, I can sing it. It's like, why don't you pursue that? It's like, ah, I don't know. But, yeah, I, I always had a love for music, and I'm talking about all kinds of music. So, yes. You know that I, I, I was so you delayed. must like you must like techno and house and yes alternative and metal. Yes. Well, the only metal group I like is Rammstein, but <laughs> yeah, I, I, I love some uh, pop, uh, techno. Uh, although I don't know the musicians, but I, I, what it is sometimes I get in the mood to just listen to uh, um, different types of music. So heavy metal from uh, Ozzy Osbourne, AC/DC to uh, Led Zeppelin. Then uh, then then there's the soft rock like. Austin Sticks, uh, Journey, uh, right. Air, Air Supply. So it's, it's a lot of it. Then, then uh, the bluegrass country. And I mean, from Charlie Pride to the uh, uh, uh Loretta Lynn to Wyona uh, Judd. I mean, just just a whole host of people. And then the rap, then the blues and gospel. I mean, I'm, I'm all over the board. Yes. And I also played the drums and uh, saxophone and flute while I was in high school. So music is in my blood. <laughs> Yes, I I played the piano briefly. Keyword briefly. But I was always I was always in choir. I was an alto. So oh, okay. I, I was always in choir and I was more on the theater side of things. Oh, okay. I, but I, I always love my music. Like I, I listen to a little bit of everything and the older I got, um you know, I mean I, I was introduced to Journey and Fleetwood Mac and Yeah. Stevie Nicks and um, the Beatles and the Doors when I was in my teens, and but before that, of course, I listened to like um, okay. a lot of R&B, a lot of uh, yeah. funk, a lot of um, gospel, some Mississippi mm-hmm. Mass Criers, yeah, 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 Georgia Mass Criers, Tennessee, BC Winans, mm-hmm. Take Six, um, Melvin, Marvin Sapp. Oh man, that's my that's one of my favorites as well as uh, the Winings from oh, yes. uh, BBCC to Marvin Winings. Yes. Yeah. Um, I mean, I I listen to Kirk Franklin. Um, I just my Michael Jackson Prince. Now one of my mm-hmm. go ahead. Now, well, I was going to say when you're talking about um, Kirk Franklin, I was going to say that one of my favorite. Uh, latest uh, uh, gospel singers are uh, uh, Tamala 
and David Mann. I mean, I love their music. Yeah, I haven't, because I've been in the language learning sphere for the past couple years, I haven't really been listening to the radio as much um, anymore, mainly because some of it I can't connect with. Mm-hmm. Um, but, I mean, I still follow my, my favorite people like Jay-Z and... Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm starting to listen to more music from other countries and other languages. So for me, it's like a cross between me listening to what I grew up with mm-hmm. a lot more. Because, um, you know, I love my Wu-Tang and my Tupac. Oh, yeah. And, oh, yeah. And, and Biggie. I mean, I you know, I wasn't into the whole East Coast, West Coast rivalry thing. Mm-hmm. But I grew up listening to N.W.A. and Dre and oh, yeah. Snoop and Pop. Oh, yeah. mm-hmm. And, I mean, at the time, I found Too Short to be vulgar. But now that I'm older, I got what I mean. <laughs> you know? <laughs> yes, indeed. Yeah. He made yeah. his money off of that, though. So, you know, freedom of speech is what I always, uh, you know, am a but fan I was, of. I was, I was big on Public Enemy and I was big on um, Run DMC and Two Live Crew and... Um, you know, all the the older, you know, rap pioneers, LL Cool Right. Well, As a matter of fact, Public Enemy, uh, Chuck D, uh, he's, he's, he's a member of my fraternity. I'm an alpha, I'm an alpha, uh, I pledged in 1988. I mean, 1988. So yeah, he's a, he's my frat brother. Oh, awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, I know for me personally, um, I don't know about you, but, for those people out there, they, they do so, you know, I talk a lot about language learning a lot. And um, I really haven't talked about, like, what's it like for someone to go to, like, a blind school, per se. Mm-hmm. And, you know, evidently, I started my blind school journey when I was 14 and a half, going on 15. And it ended when I was 22. So, wow. um, I um, was curious, what was your blind school experience like? I mean, just, like, could you give the listeners a, an idea of what that's like? Because a lot of people don't even know what the hell a blind school is. Okay, well, um, I started school at the age of five. Bring it here. I started school at the age of five. And well, four and a half, five, and I went there until I was eighteen, and it was uh, kind of structured uh, like any other school, except and, um, for those who were visually impaired, they they were able to read the print, the large print books, and those who were visually impaired, uh, totally blind, they um, learned braille, they learned uh, uh, cane travel, and as we got older, they were uh, um, take, they were allowing us to go off campus to learn how to uh, walk from uh different places that 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 we needed to to go to from time to time um they had recreational programs in which they took us bowling they took us re- to the wrestling uh uh you know when they have wrestle wrestle or uh, wrestlemania or in, you know all these different wrestle wrestling companies would come down and perform and took us there so they, they they did a great deal in interacting us with the community and what have you and then those who individuals who were uh, bright enough to be mainstream to the uh, public school system, they also they allowed them to do so. So in, in all, uh, I was 
I was glad to uh, attend. I was glad to attend the the the, the, uh, the uh, school for the visual impaired because it taught me a great deal in terms of social social skills and just dealing with society in general. You know, it's interesting you say that because when I started going there um, to OSSB, the Ohio State School for the Blind here in, in Columbus, in Ohio, uh-huh. um, I, they did a lot of interaction, um, mm-hmm. you know, social interaction, like in the early, like in the, from like 92 to 97, I would mm-hmm. say. Uh-huh. Then it kind of dropped off. I mean, like, I don't know if you ever went like canoeing. Uh, no, I never had a chance to go. Okay, well, they would take us canoeing. We would go on canoeing trips, and, um, we would do that and have bonfires and eat, and it was, you know, there were times when we actually did go over to some of the teachers' houses for, like, picnics. Picnics, yeah. Yeah, and uh, we actually had... Some the people that were in home ec class, we would cook stuff and mm-hmm. and whatnot, and it was great. You know, they they taught them how to be like sufficient when it came down to you know their daily living. So I mean, because there's some people that didn't even know how to, um, you know, do laundry, sort laundry. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they didn't know how to vacuum or dust or anything. And what really shocked me was. There was this one person that came into school. They didn't even know how to make a bowl of cereal. Oh, my God. So I was like, yeah, that's pretty bad. you how to make a bowl of cereal. Wow. Yeah. Well, I'm glad. I, I can definitely say I have not gone to the school in a minute. I think it's closed down. But I can definitely say that I am glad that I had gone there. Although my parents, they also assisted me in learning, you know, in, in whatever I needed to to learn and develop my skills in whatever way needed to. But the school definitely helped me out a lot because as you mentioned, we were both, both on the same level that we uh, were taught home ec. We were taught just basically how to live on our on our own if we were capable of doing so. So, yes, I, I definitely understand. No, and I, I mean, definitely there's certain, there were certain things that they couldn't teach you that only life could teach you. That's true. Um, like, I learned how to – I mean, I think out of all the math I learned – but the best skill I learned was how to balance a checkbook. Oh, you know, <laughs> I, I mean, still have the time. Because at the end of the day, if you don't know how to deal with finances and you're having to pay for rent and an apartment, and, you know, I I saw people where they would come out of the school and be kind of like terrified because yep. they didn't know how to deal with the outside world they only knew the blind school and people yep, in it. That's, that's true and, and um you know i still i i i kind of still see some of that online on the internet today with a lot of people a lot of the younger people now i see they're you know it's not just that they're blind or they have partial vision they, they're now dealing with autism Asperger's, mm-hmm. ADD, mm-hmm. ADHD, and whatever other disability they may have on top of the blind. Mm-hmm. Now, if I may uh, uh, say this, and I'll keep it short, you spoke about people who are more so uh, introverts. I think that I don't know so much. I don't think so much if it has anything to do with the school. I think more it has more so to do with the person because uh, you know there there people you know 
people are different. There are different types of people mentally, they're, you know, uh, all over the world. But I'm saying this, if you have the initiative to do the drive, such as, such as me, you, and people, and other people, then you're going to want to get out and, and, and learn more than just what the school could teach you. But if you, if you are limited, uh, mentally, then that, that creates the problem of you just being sheltered. And, and, and I, I've seen that as well as far as people being sheltered and whatnot. Right. Well, I mean, it, it, it got to the point where no. if you gave them advice, uh-huh. you have been out of the system you. for years. Go sit down. Uh-huh. I'm listening. Um, you've been out of the system for a while. And you're working or you're going to school and you actually have a life and you have real responsibilities. Right. For them, once they got out, it, it, it hit them automatically. The school yep. wasn't going to be there for them. Yep. They had to figure it out. Yep. And, and I know here in Ohio, there was a big issue about that because there were people coming out of there. They didn't know what side was which. Just because... They were so, it, that was their whole world. Right. And I think right. some of it also might have been a contributing factor that their home life might have not been the greatest either. Some of them did come from homes where it wasn't the greatest. Great. I agree. I agree wholeheartedly. And, and I know when I was going to school, even though this was 20 years ago, um, when I was last, you know, a student Mm-hmm. Um, I felt for a lot of these people. You know, when I went in there, I went in the mindset saying, I'm not going to have this change me, you know, for the worse. You know, I'm going to try to do what I can. But it didn't help either that, um, you know, if you're visually impaired, they were, it was the blind school. So here in Ohio, they were going off of people like, okay, if you can still, if you can read print, better print than the next person, like smaller print. Mm-hmm. Um, you were put in a regular class. If you couldn't, you were put inside of a modified class. They put me in a modified class for seven years because they thought that I was incompetent. I wasn't incompetent. There were people that were in regular classes, mainstream classes inside the school setting mm. that didn't even need to be there. They didn't even know how to write a paper, let alone spell. Wow. And it was, I mean, you, you have people coming out didn't know basic math skills, didn't know how to spell, didn't know how to write a paper correctly. Wow. Uh, it was, it was, you know, like I found out recently that they were three years behind public school system. Wow. You know, and this is in Ohio. So I, I was, I mean, but I've talked to people, other people just in passing from other blind schools and they said it was the same way. And I was like, are you serious? Yeah. Wow. Well, I guess I was one of the fortunate ones to uh, uh, to attend the school in Louisiana at the time because I wanted to learn more. I wanted to do more than the, you know, and the, the, right. the school just, they sort of pushed me. But uh, you know, everything is not always you know the same across the board. So this, you know, by me hearing this, I'm I'm like I'm uh, my mouth is wide open because you right. know to find out that certain schools really don't push you as much as just you know just put you in a class or put you there and let you fend for yourself and once you get out you know you, you sort of get hit in the head with a brick to realize hey this is life and this is what's going to be about it. and the school's not behind you anymore right well i mean i was i still was able to go to college and get a degree and go to film school and do all of that and 
and and achieve something for myself. However, it took a lot of work. You know, I didn't have the computer skills. I mean, I, I'm a millennial, so I was born in '77. Mm. So I'm not quite all the way Generation X, even though I was born in that decade. Right, but, right, right. But I'm not a millennial either. So it's like I'm in the middle because I remember Atari and Nintendo right. and everything being analog. But my adult years, that's when the digital age started to come up. And I had to adapt to the digital age. Oh, yeah. Okay. So I, for me and for a lot of other people that were born anywhere between 77 and 83, you know, we had to play catch up because a lot of the, a lot of the, Millennials, you know, they were born into the the internet. You know, that's true. Yeah, and I mean, like I told someone, I had my first smartphone. I was thirty-two. My first cell phone. I was twenty-six. Don't feel bad. I just recently got mine. Like I was like forty-five, forty, but uh, no, but maybe yeah, forty-four, forty-four, forty-five, something like that. But I wanted to learn how to actually work, so I would sit down. And I'll just go through it myself, and you know, I, I'm, I'm like a whiz at it. So, yeah, so it was only like seven years that I received mine. Yeah, I, I, um, I know for a fact, like I had the flip phone. I didn't know how to text. I didn't know how to send an email. And when I got the iPhone 3GS at the time, it was a breath of fresh air. Mm-hmm. You know, it was like a whole world opened up. And for a lot of people around the world who are blind, some of those people don't even have the opportunity to have that type of technology. That's true. In their hands, let alone have an education. That's true. And And especially mm -hmm. for those who didn't take advantage of the time when they were in school to actually know when, you know, at this point in time, if we were to tell them about, you know, uh, iPhone, you know, you know, you know, what's an iPhone or maybe I've heard about it, but I don't, I don't, they kind of like leery about it you know scared to even try to go out and try to maybe purchase one to learn so that they can be in you know in the know at least um with with the iphone because there's so much things you can do with it and what have you so right i mean right now i'm recording this podcast on my ipad pro you know so using skype and i mean 10 years ago i wouldn't have been able to do this that's right yeah so i i guess i look at it as it's it's a it's a blessing in a lot of ways. Um, you know, I use technology for what I need it for. Right, that's right. Um, but I don't make it the end all or be all of my existence. And I see a lot of that too. Um, in the in the blindness community. It's like if you don't have the latest and greatest or you don't know how to do this particular thing that's true. technical side of things, you get shun for it and i'm like well, wait a minute wait a minute you don't you can't shun me because i don't know something that's true i i i know what i want to know <laughs> right and i think that's mainly uh just just human nature in a sense but it's more uh accented because a person's visually impaired and whatnot because at, at, in most cases a person who has an impairment like let's say you 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 could see uh 80 feet and i could see tw- 20 feet you're eight, and we both and we both visually impaired. You might have you might feel like, hey, I'm more I'm more superior than he is because he can't see as far as you know. It's it's, it's stuff like that. So yeah, it, it becomes more um accented or accentuated 
you know, when you visually impaired or impaired in whatever way, because I too have noticed that even with the iPhones and things like that, oh, I have to go get my iPhone 11. Uh, uh, people ask me after that, how can you still have your iPhone 5 CS or whatever? Because it's working for me. I just recently got a six. So yeah, people are definitely in competition more so as I mentioned with the human, you know, just human nature than, you know, if you're, you know, if visually impaired, you want to have that because you, you have that want to feel that self-work to know that, hey, I'm better than this person in this aspect because I have the iPhone and he has, you know, that kind of stuff. So I exactly know what you're talking about. I mean, like, I just got a Braille display through the state like three years ago, but it took me personally having documentation from my eye doctor saying I can no longer read print anymore because my vision had gotten that bad reading-wise. Mm-hmm. And so... Even though I can still watch TV and tell you what's going on, I can't read the words on the screen. Right. So, you know, I just have voiceover to it. It doesn't, it's not like the end all or be all to me at all. Right, exactly. Where there's, a, where there's a will, there's a way, basically. Right. You make a way. Right. And like I tell people all the time, I, I do everything for myself. I mean, yeah, we could have had this interview at 1130, but I had to go down to the dollar store for when mm-hmm. I took my guide dog and I walked two blocks to go up there. Okay. You know, to do what I had to do. But at the end of the day, it's like, you know, that's the first thing you hear worldwide <coughs> are these young people who they're upset because they don't have, you know, they don't have the jobs they want. And I said, well, okay, look at all the technology that you know how to use. You can create a job for yourself and you don't even realize it. That's true. You can That's teach true. people how to use this stuff if you really want it to and charge money. That's true. That is but, so true. But they don't, you see what I'm saying? It's like they want a handout. They want everything given to them. They don't want to really have to work for anything. Or when you give them, when you try to say to them, look, I've been there. I know what you're going through. Mm. Okay, I might have, you know, problems reading print or seeing small details out of mm. one eye. But I'm still a part of the blindness community. That's true. There's different, oh, okay. there's different shades, facets of, of being blind, different stages. You know, different right. pe- people have different, you know, uh, uh, visual acuities. So. Right. And, and that's, the, that's the big problem, I think, in the community as a whole, is that you have people that are very angry because they feel that people like me are taken more seriously than the average blind, totally blind person. I was like, well, I don't know what it's like to be totally blind. I'm not, I wasn't born that way. Right. You know, I know what it's like half of my body, but I don't know all the way. You see what right. I'm saying? Right. And so for me, I've, I've had my share of discrimination and, and people treating me like a second-class citizen. But I was like, you know, I just had to ignore it and keep going. Right. You know, because I knew who I was as a person and what my value and worth was. But I'm not going to get mad at the world because, you know, I didn't get this new computer today. Actually, as a matter of fact, I enjoy using tablets in my phone with a Braille display better than I do, you know, going on the laptop. Memorizing keyboard commands. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, and like I tell a lot of these adaptive tech people who, they're not minority. They're, They're Caucasian. They're mm-hmm. totally blind. Mm-hmm. They're middle age. And they're teaching you like 
you would be totally blind. And I said, well, this is the problem. I'm, I'm not. That's right. So, you know, I'm not doing, I don't do things the same way as the last client that you had. You know. There's different strokes for different folks. And, 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 and there's nothing in this life that's one-dimensional. And being blind, like, as I mentioned, there's different ways to teach other people who wish to, who are vision impaired, who wish to learn certain things. You definitely have to have the patience. So I definitely understand that aspect. And, you know, as I've gotten older, I've realized that the, the anger, as you, as you mentioned, you know, that comes from certain blind people. And that, that, that man they could, could, could be, uh, you know, come, come from when they were little, how their, their, their parents sheltered them with so much and as they got older, they realized that everything is not given to you and just because you are vision impaired. I mean, you have to get out and, 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 and compete with the sighted world as much as you possibly can. And then maybe things will come to you. You have to find out the, the different um, avenues to get what you need to get started instead of just being uh, bitter or complaining about the next person. I've, I've found that to be the, the case with a lot of people who are visually impaired. Yeah, and, and I also see, and I know this sounds... Uh, controversial so i'm going to put a disclaimer right here just because i don't want anybody to feel like i'm attacking anybody because i'm not i'm just giving my own personal opinion of what i right what i right but i've seen a lot of white totally blind people some of them have gotten a pat on the back and they've gotten things from Brokerian. And if you're a minority, you get very little. I've seen that. I've seen that. I've, uh, have, I've, I can, I know from of that firsthand experience. So. And it, it, you know, what's so interesting is that when you have minorities that, you know, they're good with technology or they're, you know, tr- uh, <laughs> They're, I would say, um, they have a foot in the door. Mm-hmm. Then it seems to me they want to knock down the same people that they were talking to before they got the job. That's true. Regardless yeah. if it's a high-powering six-figure job or it's just your average garden variety $9-an-hour job. That's true. And I used to tell people when I was working, what you should do is if you have a job lead and you don't need it, give it to somebody. That's true. That's how it works. That's how it works. That's how it should work. That's what I would do. Right. Because at the end of the day, you're just as successful, you know, to losing that job as quickly as you got it. And, And as you know, it's hard to get employment. It takes about two to three years just to get a job. And the job isn't always what you want to get. Definitely. So, I mean, I know what it's like to do customer service. I know what it's like to do retail. I know what it's like to fold pizza boxes. I know what it's like to, you know, put O-rings on on parts. And, you know, all kinds of crap I used to do. Collating information and packets and so forth and whatnot. Secretarial work, blah, blah, uh-huh. blah. I've done it all. Mm-hmm. However, well, except working a workshop. I've never done that and don't ever plan on doing it either. 
But, like I told a friend of mine who passed away, that you were lucky. You got hired to do all these different jobs and doing exactly what she wanted to do, which was work with little kids in daycare. And she was totally blind, and she got a whole bunch of jobs. But sometimes the job wasn't always the greatest because Mm -hmm. the people would would give her a check, and it would bounce. Oh, wow. wow. And so, you know, she had that to deal with. And, you know, she, she had to prove herself to people. And this was, you know, people of color that was giving her a shot at working in their daycare. You know, and mm-hmm. I, I said, well, see, I've worked around black and white people. So for me, it, it really doesn't matter. You know, people are people. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, if you're the last to be hired and the first to be fired, you have to ask yourself why. That's true. As much as you may be dedicated to doing that job, there you're going to always have people that don't feel comfortable. That's don't true. feel comfortable about certain disabilities, but they're not going to feel comfortable about all of them. That's true. And I recently, in short, mm-hmm. I had done a um, a thing on my on my uh, YouTube channel, the Parker Daniels Show, where I I spoke on blind people and my experience in terms of the working uh, field and how blind people they just uh, are, are people are so more apt to hire them to work in factories and doing little. Uh, uh, Ricky Dick jobs, if that's what you like, as opposed to actually, you know, hiring people to do the real um, uh, uh, concentrated jobs where you use your your your, your other other skills as opposed to your hands and what have you. And that's what I'm dealing with right now. I've been working in, in a factory for seven years. I, I'm overly qualified and whatnot. And you and and you experience a great deal of those things, especially in different different states, how they want you to um, work in factories. And, and um make materials and just do little 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 jobs that you know that if you qualify if you if you if you're overly qualified to do that that kind of creates a great deal of of, of boredom uh, a great deal of depression because you're not working in, in in something that you enjoy doing so man i'm glad you touched on that particular topic i just wanted to mention that in short because that's what i had uh mentioned on in my uh on my channel yeah, I actually saw that episode, and, and I, you know, it it made me want to create a separate podcast show, because since I'm doing language learning, mm-hmm. it made me want to do a separate podcast show just based off of, you know, the blind experience and how blind people are having to deal with issues every single day. That's so true. From finding a job to yep. getting married to having kids. You know, and, and the demographic doesn't even matter. You know, it doesn't matter if you're black or white or Asian or Hispanic, Native American. It don't matter. That's you know, true. we're all being discriminated against. That's true, and that's and, and to sum it up, that definitely is the, is the case. I mean, we're all being discriminated, and just de- it depends on what what you can do about it, what, what you, how, how you try because you can work in these little jobs, factory jobs, which I like to say, if it's if it's good for you, then it's good. You can work in it forever and a day, but if you have plans and, and, and you aspire to move further, I suggest you please do your best to try to do that because you become um, you, you, you become stigmatized and then 
this is the only place that you can work and they pay you minimum wages in order to so that you won't lose your check and me I definitely wish I could get get a job where I can just get get off of SSI and let somebody else who really need have it and and whatnot. Well, you know, it's funny you say that because there are people out here that are blind and they're business owners and they have, they're making money left and right. Yet, if technology is the if adaptive technology is the only avenue for people. Mm-hmm. Which I know it's not because there are plenty of people out there that are doing all kinds of things and they're making boatloads of money. So, you know, so I mean, if you're a judge, a lawyer, you're a teacher, a psychologist, psychiatrist, social worker, you know, I think too it also depends on your environment, what that state makes, you're that, living in. That's true. You know, true. okay, you know, how how much are you determined really to to go through what you need to to get there but at the same time those same people that are successful they sit there and tell you these things but they're not doing anything to help anybody that's true and that's, well there's a lot of people that in short i'm gonna conclude because um my battery's about to but there's there are people who don't who, who as you mentioned have they have information and not willing to share but yet they'll tell you oh it's easy it's like it's easy to get level you know they'll keep it on the They'll keep it on that level as opposed to telling you if it's easy, give me the, the, the criteria to, uh, to to get where you are at least close to your, your you know, your your position so that I can, you know, get off of SSI so that I can be a better blind person and what have you. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And I I know for a fact that, you know, if if we all could team up and and try to help those people, you know, with their employment issue problems uh-huh. or, you know, Turn even, it. I mean, even if they wanted to work in music, they could still do that. Right. You know, I have, I have over nine, almost 9,600 listeners in 89 countries around the world currently. And I've only been on the air for a year and a half. It's a blessing. You know, talking about language learning. And, you know, I'm a minority because I'm visually impaired, but I've interviewed some of the most prolific people in the world. So, you know, I know I'm making a difference, and I continue oh, to make a difference. And, and I want to thank you. You're welcome. You're so for welcome. For coming on and, and speaking about this. I actually might create another podcast show just well, because <laughs> I think this, this topic needs to be discussed further. Well, I'll be glad to bring you on my show sometime next week, and we can we can talk even more about it in the weeks to come, and we can you know discuss okay. it. But I I am elated to have have been on on your show. Thank you so much, and everybody, please go to the Parker Daniels Show on YouTube.com and subscribe, listen to um, Anthony. Um. YouTube channel, it's it's worth a listen. Also, thank you to everybody for um, subscribing to the show. Um, wherever you know you subscribe, whether it's TuneIn Radio, iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, Podbean. Um, thank you to the new people. Thank you. To-
Hello?